They finally did it, Will. They did it. You told me like 20 minutes ago. You're like, yeah. let's roll. They did it. Tesla did it. Mm-hmm. They finally. changed. They upgraded the Model S. I've been waiting forever for this. I'm going to have to order this. Uh-huh. Unveiled the new Model S with the Plaid version, Plaid Plus, with the speed. But never mind. They did the interior. It's a thing we've been saying. That That was the main thing. That we wanted them to do. It and was a bit, it. it was getting dated, you know, with the other one, especially because of the existence of the Model 3 and those more modern interiors. And the premium car, the Model S, was looking like 1994 in there. Mm. And it was uh, some styling things on the outside. We were saying, you don't have to redo the whole thing, but like switch the trim around and do a few things just to, so it fits with the rest of the lineup, like the newer part of the lineup. Yes. The, the Model 3 and the Model Y. And then look at what they do. They take it a step further. They give you a yoke instead of a steering wheel. Yeah. It's almost like you can fly this thing. You, you might. Right to the moon. And they give you a yoke, uh, which we were supposed to see on the Roadster. Roadster's delayed. I know it's a small market thing in terms of volume, but that's delayed. Who knows it ever comes out. But this looks for real. This, they're talking about production early 2021. They're talking about delivery late 2021. I'm going to have to order this. Well, yeah, that's really impressive. Look what they did with the, with the display. So they went horizontal, which is the move, especially since you can game on here. You know you can hook up a, a wireless controller and game on here? Oh, can you? Yeah, it's a gaming computer in there. It's uh, not only can you watch Witcher, but you can game you got netflix you got youtube you got all these things but you can game right in there cool and or you can do what they call karaoke which is karaoke but it's in the cars karaoke yeah and uh, i'll be it, doing that it actually doesn't end there like the whole it's a whole redo of the interior scroll down they put a display into the rear seat as well they fixed the center console which always sort of bugged me a little bit it looks more robust now i could store some things and more luxurious kind of trim the steering wheel is super futuristic, obviously. You know? Look at the, the screen in the rear. Now the kids are having fun. Mm. They're playing the racing game in the back. Nice. And is that a little Tesla racing game? Yeah, it's a little Seems Tesla like. in the racing game. I know my kids would love something like that in the back seat. So I'm going to have to pick this up. Right on. <laughs> How many times can I say that in this segment? You're they excited. Also, they also got a new, they got a new glass roof in there as well and a couple of other cool specifications we got to go through and maybe it might be better to actually head over to the product purchase page because that sort of details everything you need to know and uh tesla dating tesla dating will take it easy you know people are watching your search bar these days you know people are mad about your searches these days yeah all right so it's what's weird the picture here is still the old model s and of course you know this because of the chrome trimmings which are dated but you go up to a custom order, or down at the bottom, custom order. Click through. Let's do this. Let's build ours. And it's not that many options, but okay, first, let's start here. The long-range model starting $73,990 in USD. And this is, gonna, this is not a slouch. This car's going to go 0 to 60 in 3 seconds. That's fine for it. most people, Will. Sheesh. But I'm not a huge fan of the stock wheels. I'm going to put that out there right now. Uh, top speed 155 miles per hour and 412 miles of range estimated. Now, step it up to one of the tri-motor models. These are the ones I'm excited for. 
The first one is called Plaid, and that's $113,990 to start. Not a cheap vehicle, but if you click on it, Will, you'll see the specs will change, and it'll go up to 390 miles of range, estimated, 200 mile per hour top speed, and two-second zero to 60 time, which is stupid fast. You're well aware. Mm-hmm. You've experienced such a thing. And then the Plaid Plus, well, that's the model I would go for right there. And that one, 0 to 60 in less than 1.99 seconds. And look at the range! Look at the range! It's like double the range in my Taycan right there. I don't know if I need it. I don't know if I like it. I probably like it. It can't hurt. It can't hurt. All right, and they fixed the trim around the windows, but the stock wheels, I don't know who selected the stock wheels. Go down a little bit and change the wheels. You got to do this. Oh, wait, before you do that, I just want to read this spec. Quickest zero to 60 time and quarter mile acceleration of any production car ever. You know Elon like typing that part. Quarter mile in less than nine seconds. You know Car Wow is going to test that out eventually. 1,100 plus horsepower. Three high performance motors. Carbon sleeved rotors and torque vectoring. Okay, now we can scroll down a little bit more. Just very important. Paint colors, not a ton of options. All right, they don't have Taycan, the Taycan paint shop yet. So you can get red, blue, deep blue metallic, midnight silver, black, solid black, and then we have the pearl white multicolor, which is funny. The white is the only free color. Mm. All the other colors cost you another fifteen hundred. Yeah, I mean the red is a. Oh, the red is twenty five hundred, and the other ones are fifteen hundred. Okay, Willie, do which color do you go for? I would go for the black. You go for the black. Yeah. I'll nice. tell you why I w- I'll tell you why I don't go for the black. Why? Because I can't see the sh- the trim and the shape as much. I would go for the the gray. The gray. Okay. Uh, the silver. Maybe not. Put the wheels. Put the right wheels on there. So the Tempest wheels are terrible. The Arachnid wheels are cool. Yes. And those are that's another $4500 option. So I would probably go, you know what? You're right. Maybe I got to go black. That looks a little too, okay, I go black. Now scroll down. I'm going to go with the white interior this time. Black on the outside, white on the inside. Look at that. Mm. Black, white vibe. My, my other car is white on the outside, red on the inside currently. I don't want the tan. It doesn't fit with the Tesla. The white is futuristic on the inside. But mm. you're, not, you're not brave enough for the white on the inside. No, 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 no. I, I spill a lot. Here. You're not brave enough for the oh, white on the inside. in there. It's, uh, you go yeah. for the black on the inside. Okay, cool. With yeah. the carbon fiber trims. And then another ten grand for the full self-driving capability. So you can add that as well. I mean, we got to have that. That's the Tesla factor. Now, I know people are looking at this and they're saying, 155990 Chill out, Lou. Sheesh. No, no. Jeez Louise is what they're saying. Uh, but you got to understand, guys. It's, uh, you know... It's a tremendous amount of performance. It's hard to even fathom it if you haven't experienced it previously. And it's actually, for what they're able, it is supercar figures, at least in a straight line. Mm-hmm. There are cars that this will beat in a straight line in a quarter mile or zero to 60 that cost a million dollars. At least with the specs on paper. Mm-hmm. It's close to it. Yes. So you got to keep that in mind. You look at a price tag. So for the outright purchase, it's like 150 grand for the full spec model. Now the problem here's the problem. Well, let me tell you, there's always a catch. They're gonna, they'll take your money right now, and they claim you're gonna get the delivery. You know when they say late 2021? That's what they say. Mm. Which isn't all. 
that bad. It's it's not that far, but you know me and I know you, and you know Mo. Sure. And we lived a few years if you combine all of it. And when Tesla tells you something's going to come at a certain time, it comes a little later. Yeah. And it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I think I put a pre-order on a Cybertruck. I don't know when that shows up. Yeah. I put I gave him like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't. I'm not looking at it. But whenever it happens. But it is cool and it is promising to think. All right, in 2021, it's that futuristic Tesla on the roads. I might have to order such a thing. Very easy as well. The whole UX design of it. You just click a couple buttons and then you bought a car. I might have to order such a thing. Yeah. It's quite possible. So congrats, Tesla. Well done. You can play. Actually, you know what, Will? If you go back, it just gives you a couple more specifications. might be interesting to you just because it's a momentous day for Tesla and their, and their upgrade. Just scroll down a little bit more for me here and uh, go down. Can you keep going or does it kill you right there? Oh, interesting. Maybe you have to be out of the order page because I remember seeing some added uh, specifications which were interesting to me, but it was mostly around some of the interior cabin changes. Like, for example, all the seats are heated, including the rear. The front seats are ventilated. I don't remember where I read these specs. Maybe you just click on Model S at the top, and and when you're not in the order section, it'll give it to you. Oh, there's the new Model S picture in red with the black trim. Nice. You see how the black trim kind of shapes it a little bit, though? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the door handles. And it's the problem if you do the black color car, you lose those little accents. So maybe I'm back right. to the silver one. But uh, yeah, sc- uh, maybe scroll down here. Oh, here we go. These are even better. Look at these images over here. 17-inch cinematic display, 2200 by 1300. True color. Uh, of course, the steering wheel, which is they're calling a yoke. Uh, powerful HEPA filter in the cabin. Tri-zone temperature control. Just the rear seat with the new screen. The flip down. You have uh, quite a quite a bit of cargo space in there. It is a hatchback after all. Keep going down here. And what was the... Oh, yeah. Up to 10 teraflops of processing power on the car gaming on par with today's newest consoles. Wow. With wireless controller capability. Uh, look at the wireless chargers as well for your devices at the Dual front. wireless charging? Uh, USB-C fast charging for every passenger as oh. well. 22 speaker, 960 watt. Uh, sound system. Now look at the cargo space. You see, that's where it beats the Taycan as well, because it's a real hatchback at the end mm. of the day. You, when you have the pass-through, it's a lot of cargo volume. Uh, I mean, it's very exciting. The blue even looks good with the black yeah, accents. Actually, the car looks so much better. It's funny. I think some people might be upset, and they say, hey, it doesn't really... It's not a new car. They had a long time here. But... The car didn't look that bad. It was a few tweaks, really, mm-hmm. that, that I was interested in. And they made those tweaks. And what was funny was the aftermarket was already doing it. The aftermarket was buying the old model and then taking it to get the chrome delete, is what mm-hmm. they call it. Just to get rid of the chrome and black it out like that. But you have a... Congrats to Tesla. Well done. Uh, now, next up, actually, I have a little bit of footage... Of this model, this clip came out prior to their announcement showcasing the interior of the vehicle. And uh, this this video clip was posted also on Electric. And at the time, they were saying Tesla Model S Palladium, which was supposed to be the next Plaid version. But now they just say Plaid Plus. They don't really say the ludicrous stuff anymore. The branding has shifted around. Now, the car here is not exactly zooming, which kind of bothered some people. 
In fact, people in the comments said, uh, once I put it to 2x speed, then it seemed exciting. So maybe you want to put it to 2x speed, Will. <laughs> but this is just a friendly little test drive over here of the new model. You can see as you spot the trim, and I think it might be the silver model. So I might have to get the silver model because mm -hmm. that looks good as well. And it, it looks ready to go. And maybe this was the final test drive in public on the track there in Fremont prior to making it live on the site. And I guess this is a good sign for this thing being sooner than later. But some people some people wanted to be moving a little faster around the mm. track. Now, even though Elon's busy with Tesla, he's also beefing a little bit with Bezos. Mm. They're both trying to be in space. They're both trying to have satellites. They're both trying to be the futuristic internet in space that mm -hmm. beams down to Earth. And they're having a little beef right now because Bezos and Amazon are are kind of uh, attempting to pause some of the progress proposed by SpaceX for the Starlink system where they want to bring satellites to a lower altitude than originally than they originally wanted to do. And Amazon or Bezos, what is his company? What is the company? Blue Origin. No, the uh, nope. his internet company has a different name. The Kuiper system. It looks like Jupiter, but K U I P E R. Kuiper, Kuiper system is going to be his satellite internet system. Now they're a little bit behind. They don't have anything deployed yet. That's what Elon's mad about. He's like, "Why are you telling me where to put my satellites? You don't even have anything yet." That's exactly what he said when he made that expression right there. Even mm -hmm. though it's an old photo. Why they use such an old photo? Probably because he's looking right at Bezos. Yeah, it's a nice You know what? You might do something like that in a thumbnail. Probably. You, actually, that's the thumbnail, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so here's the beef. Elon's already up there. He goes, hey, man, we got to make some tweaks here. And, and he goes to the governing body uh, who, who, you, who you would need to talk to for something like this, which is what? The FCC. And then they're like, well, let us look at this proposal and see if there's any problems with it. And, and and see if the public has any, see if anyone has any problems. And then Bezos comes flying out of his office. And he says, I got a problem with it. Mm -hmm. You can't come down to that altitude because you said before you're going to be up at that altitude, you're going to be doing this this way. And now, and, and, and I had planned my plans around that. And that's screwing up my plans now. Mm. And so I want to put a wrench in it. Mm -hmm. And Elon's saying, you're only doing that to slow me down because I'm ahead of you. This is anti-competition right here. You're yeah. just upset that i already got satellites up there yeah you make it sound like it's like a schoolyard beef yeah it is <laughs> and fcc is like the teacher or something yeah fcc's in the middle saying guys 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 yeah there's a lot of space out there but i guess there actually isn't when it comes to satellites everybody wants to be at a different spot i guess for so, different yeah. purposes to service i mean you've heard about their struggles as far as who they could even service with their product because of where they had to be located with the Starlink system, which is why it's been the Northern Hemisphere. Even there's a lot of people in the Southern, there's other places that actually might need the service more. So you're basically, they're trying to own regions of space in the orbit? Kind of. You know? I mean, kind of. SpaceX is working to convince FCC officials that it should allow a company to move some Starlink satellites to lower altitudes than originally planned, with Amazon among the companies that have disputed SpaceX's request. Now, of course, Musk went on Twitter and said, it does not serve the public to hamstring Starlink today for an Amazon satellite system that is at best several years away from operation. 
He says, hey, man, don't rain on my parade. Hey, man, don't spit in my salsa. That's not an actual one. But uh, these two guys, it seems like the rest of our lives are going to be at each other's, you know. Yeah. Throats? Is that what you say? At sure. each other's throats? Yeah. That sounds too severe. I mean, I think it's kind of, there's a friendly contest to it as well, but two richest guys on the planet as it stands today, two super powerful type dudes responsible for these big companies, and they have a lot of overlap on what they want to achieve. And once they start, both set their sights on space, mm. you had to feel like they're having their own space race. They are, yes. Those two dudes are having their very own space race. This is a Tesla side gig that I had no clue about. And it's apparently hard to even call it a side gig because of the scale of it. Tesla has an emissions credit business worth billions of dollars. And let me explain to you how this works, Will. Since Tesla sells EVs, they get credits, environmental credits. In the form of? A, cre a credit. Not, yeah, yeah. Well, it works out to cash for them because they sell them. It's a tax credit, I presume. Right. Tesla's emissions credit, basically, Tesla can go and sell its environmental responsibility to other car makers. Hmm. What? So, Tesla is getting this incentive from the government in the form of a credit which it is then capable of turning into an asset that it can sell to automakers that don't want to satisfy the environmental standard in order to get that credit themselves. Mm. So the example used on this Jalopnik post is that you have some kind of muscle car with a Hellcat engine and it's 700 horsepower and you're getting punished for having done so. The emission standard on that is not great. And in order to make it commercially viable, because there's people, there's still a demand for it, you purchase one of you, some of this credit from Tesla in order so that you don't get punished too strictly on the emission side mm. from a monetary perspective. So the math actually works out for you. Better to do so. And Tesla, I guess, has an abundance of such credit. Regulatory credit revenue probably will rise to $2 billion dollars from 1.4 billion in 2020. Two billion dollars in revenue. Wow. What is the profit margin on that? I mean, you had to do the work to have the efficient vehicles, to have the batteries and all the rest of it. But once you go sell the credit, that's a lot, of, that feels like a lot of profit to me. Mm -hmm. Two billies. So, hardly a side business and something to keep an eye on. One of the, I mean, that's a huge strategic advantage for that company to be able to have such an abundance that they can actually take their competitors and turn their competitors into their customers from that standpoint. Apple is set to mass produce iPads outside of China for the first time, as well as increasing iPhone production in India. Is Apple saying bye-bye to China? Are we living in a post-China Apple world? Mm. Not immediately, but they have obviously diversified their manufacturing increasingly, and it has accelerated as the relationship between China and the U.S. has intensified. Trade things. 
I don't I mean, sanctions, and I mean, the Huawei story, whatever else. And so in this report, iPads are going to move their production to Vietnam in the middle of the year. The first significant number of the tablets that would have ever been produced outside China. Apple was goofing around with this a little bit on a small scale. Sub in a little bit here, a little trial run in Vietnam, a little trial run in uh, India. Well, India's been ramping up recently, but you know the variety of, of countries. And that goes alongside with their increase in trust, it appears, in the in Indian manufacturing set, uh, sector or assembly sector, where they produced some of their iPhone 11 units, but if you recall, originally it wasn't a flagship model. Then it was I iPhone 11s. And now, later this year, as early as this quarter, the iPhone 12 for India will be made in India. Hmm. That's the flagship model. I don't know if you heard of it. Is it? Yeah, we're on the 12 oh, right now. Right. So Apple is real serious about taking it global, about spreading this around, and about, you know, hedging its risks, really. Right. Because if you want to go and throw a sanction, if you got... If there's some problem with some one country, which they have been abundantly reliant on, they just say, oh, let's just flip the switch. Let's turn the knob over at the Vietnam plant. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just turn the knob over at the India plant, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So they're investing and in a, in a much bigger way than previously. The uh, original reports when some of that sanction stuff was going down was that, oh, you know, maybe we'll move 15% out of China. Now it's looking more like 30% out of China. Mm -hmm. And who knows, you get to 50%, you start saying, cost going up in China. Mm -hmm. Can't I don't want to pay these tariffs. You want to pay these tariffs? So we'll see what transpires here. But same time, you know, when it comes to hitting certain scale, like an iPhone, for example. I'm not talking about an iPad. I'm talking about an iPhone. And Apple ships a couple of those. Yeah. Then he might knock on the door, knock on China's door, be down there in Shenzhen and be like, Yo, we're, we're sorry. We didn't, you know. All hands on deck. We didn't mean it. We didn't mean it. Yeah. How about this? Apple's researching a new high-end titanium finish for oh. upcoming products. We saw a report that they want to do a matte black finish. This might even be cooler. I don't know. I'm a big fan of titanium. Are you? It's a wonderful material. Oh. Spaceships and lightweight but strong. Who doesn't want that? Huh. Lightweight but strong. Aerospace grade. And titanium. What a what a word. Although aerospace grade, they got aluminum for that. I don't know. Do they use titanium in space? Titanium's amazing either way. Strong and light. Yeah. Can be brittle though, depending on the exact in fact, Apple a long time ago, they used some titanium on an old MacBook Pro. I think they maybe even called it TI or maybe even titanium. It was way back in the day. You know, I've been around, Will. The G4, titanium PowerBook G4. Uh, that one's aluminum. That's the one that came after. It's actually, uh, yeah, yeah. It's the one with the frame. Yes! Titanium PowerBook G4. They goofed with it. Seems like there's two layers. Yeah, they was a bit, they, they, you know, they didn't have the manufacturing status that they have now. They didn't have the power that they have now. Right. But I mean, the stuff they're putting together now. Makes that look old-fashioned. But at the time, Will, that was very... It does look pretty slick. Yeah, at the time, know, that was quite slick. So 
the Titanium PowerBook G4. Anyway, uh, this time around, they're trying to figure out a way to do it where it's not brittle and where the finish can actually have a nice kind of shimmer to it. So they patented this new uh, titanium parts with a blasted surface texture. And this is coming via patently Apple and Mac Rumors who reported on that. Here's uh, what the patent states. Titanium is very difficult to etch. It can be aesthetically unattractive. The patent seeks to present a solution to this problem by outlining a blasting etching and chemical process to give the titanium enclosure a more attractive finish. Now, I don't know about you, Will, but you saw what they did with the Apple Watch. They take the Apple Watch edition and they do a titanium model and they charge you a lot more. Mm. Now, I want you to imagine iPhone 13 titanium as the luxury option. Mm. iPhone 13 Pro Max titanium. Sign me up. Sign me up. I want a titanium phone. Right there. I want a titanium phone. So they're going to have to figure out a way to make it durable and have a have a nice kind of shimmer to it. But after they do that, I think a lot of people are going to line up for such a thing. Now, this picture seems to indicate that the focus is on the laptop, but there's no reason why they couldn't apply this to all, all the variety of products that they make. Speaking of new Apple products, we have a little transition of one of Apple's key employees who will now step down from his role as the hardware lead for... I mean, hardware lead all, all, is a pretty big title. That's all the products. Mm-hmm. So what would you, how do you step down to work on a mysterious new project? How could you do such a thing? I think that guy's going to take his old role. Oh, the guy. so this guy's leaving. I believe so. Down. Yes, that is Dan Riccio or Riccio. He was the SVP of hardware engineering. So that's like everything. SVP hardware engineering, Will. How many times am I going to say that? Sounds really impressive. I don't even know. You're not, you're, you're not going to, you're going to want to be promoted. So whichever project you're about to go work on has got to be a kind of big deal. Yeah. Especially if it's exclusively one project. Now, there's some speculation over here that it could be to work on uh, something related to a touchscreen Mac like finally doing a piece of hardware more in line with maybe, I don't know, what's what's happening in the laptop realm where you have 360-degree hinges and screens you can touch and with pen input. Apple's been against that for a long time. And also, is that a big enough deal to attract talent like that to go work on something like that exclusively? Mm. Other speculation says that that's not big enough and says that it's got to be the car. That's got to be the interior. It's got to be the dash, something like this, mm-hmm. of the car. Maybe. Other people, they say, no, 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 it's the augmented reality. Mm. Other people say it's the glasses. It depends. I mean, obviously, Cook knows and Dan knows. We don't know. But he's moving around, which goes to show you that uh, Apple has not, Apple is still working on new product categories and they have the potential to be disruptive. Uh, last one about Apple. You should update your iPhone right now. This is a PSA. Apple urges. Apparently, all, all iPhones have been compromised recently, and a new software update has been pushed, emergency software update, to close the, the gap that's letting the exploit in as Mo checks his iPhone and begins his update. He's been exploited. 
Apple said two security issues stem from its WebKit open source browser engine used by Safari and iOS browsers. A, a remote attacker may be able to cause arbitrary code execution. And kernel, an Apple developer frame, framework, was also affected. So right now, Mo has an attacker inside of his phone about to cause arbitrary code execution, oh. which is not going to be good for Mo. And so I recommend an update. And I recommend scrambling? an update fast, a fast update. Mm. So this goes for this goes for everyone. Now the exploit was originally reported by an anonymous researcher. He, I guess he gets a bounty for that, a bug bounty. I don't. They don't say how much money that should be, but I feel like that's kind of a big deal when you point that stuff out, and it's and 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 it encourages those to work on the good team, you know, hmm. to report the thing instead of exploit it themselves. But anyway, at least there's an update that's been pushed out, and if you are an iPhone user. It is time to update. And what is the current version? 14.4 now? Yes, iOS 14.4. It also includes fixes for keyboard lag and allows smaller QR codes to be read by the camera. That's also part of the update. All right, here's that article I was talking about, about the potential for a touchscreen Mac. Now, I don't know. I just want to get your feelings. I want to see what everyone's saying here. I know Apple's been against it. They want to sell you an iPad. They'll give you a keyboard for your iPad. They'll give you a trackpad. They'll let you do anything to an iPad to make it a computer, but they won't call it a Mac, and they definitely won't let you touch your Mac. But is it time, Will, for Apple to have a Mac OS product that is also touch-capable now that we have the transition to their own silicon, so it's across the map, maybe even some sort of... Okay, here's my hybrid proposal. Hear me out, Will. Will, I need you to hear me out. Okay. It's both. When the device is in tablet mode or flipped around, it switches to iOS. Okay. When it's in laptop mode, it switches to macOS. Come on! This um, should be possible on a framework. That should be possible with the silicon, no? Yeah, sure. I think Windows tried to do that at one time with, what were they calling that? Metro UI. Metro UI, and they failed. But Apple is so integrated, it feels like it could work. You flip out the slate portion, it's an iPad, you click it in or do whatever you do, or you flip it around and it's an iPad and you flip it back and it's a MacBook. I feel like they could sell some of those. I don't know. Maybe they don't have to. Maybe they're happy to sell you both. But it's, uh, it's just speculation at this point. As I mentioned previously, the little reshuffle of the hardware people at Apple has led some to believe that that's exactly what is about to happen. But we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, Carl Pei from uh, previously from OnePlus has launched his new venture, and so many jokes. It's been a it's been a lot of memes. I don't know if the memes have been on purpose. If you think about it, if you got people memeing the thing, at least they're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, he uh, released a teaser video on Instagram announcing his new company, which is called Nothing. Even easier when it's just like the thing before it. Yeah. And the one before that. But like all good things, this one starts from scratch. Yeah. No notes, no blueprints, no map to find our way Yeah. Back. 
We're rethinking everything, from what we make and how we make it, to what goes in and what goes out. A giant reset button for all things I mean, innovation. Uh, and I, so we go, uh, confident that what's in reach isn't worth reaching for. We know, because we tried reaching a little further and came up with nothing. 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 So they reached a little further and came up with nothing. I mean, there's all this like poetry and stuff in there. The absence of something, you know, nothing. They have nothing right now. There's been jokes about maybe it will be nothing. Is it is is there some sort of a minimalist aesthetic or approach so. here where yeah. it's like around the idea of having less, not more, mm -hmm. or? some kind of device or hardware that can assume the role of a variety of pieces of hardware that you currently own to achieve the same thing? Or is it just straight up trying to appear bigger or more interesting than you already are? Hmm. Like as if you meet someone on the street and they're like, hey, my name's Will, what's yours? And the other person's like, my name's nothing. And you're like, whoa, 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 you know, and you say, you know, you have a matrix moment of, whoa, is that actually your name? That's how I sound. Yeah, that's how you sound. What do these quotes say? Really looking forward to what nothing has to bring to the market. You know what else? Yeah. Maybe it's just a low pressure way of launching a kind of incubator or launching a kind of early stage thing that you will eventually pivot into something else. And by calling it nothing, in the meantime, it lets you, yeah, it takes the pressure off. Mm. I don't know. I'm yeah. just I'm just completely speculating right now. Anyway, he's got seven million bucks in funding from Tony Fidel, who's a former uh, Apple inventor of the iPod, former CEO of Nest, Kevin Lin, co-founder of Twitch, Steve Huffman, uh, co-founder and CEO of Reddit. Josh Buckley, the CEO of Product Hunt, and Casey Neistat, fellow YouTuber, are all invested in this nothing project. So he's got some names attached to it. We'll see what they're able to come up with and if it is actually nothing. If nothing yeah. makes something or nothing or nothing, which is something. You see, I'm playing along with the poetry. Good luck, Carl. Have you been following this GameStop situation? Uh, here and there. Holy moly. Stonks? Is Game stonks. Yeah. Elon tweeted about it as well, which, of course, memed it even further. It yep. turned the meme dial on it. This group on Reddit, what are they called? They're called the... Uh, <laughs> why do I not remember the name of the group on Reddit now? Uh, Wall, Wall Street Wall bets, Street yes, of bets. course. Wall yeah. Street bets. They have taken aim at the variety of hedge funds that have been shorting name brand retail stocks. Well, sp specifically in this in this case, GameStop. There are some others. I don't know, but they have effectively caused havoc mm. for these hedge funds that have these tremendously uh, large short bets against certain stocks. And GameStop is the best example for us to use here. So you're a hedge fund. You manage billions of dollars, Will. You're, you, you at some point 
believe that you have or you have an inclination or an insight that a particular company is doomed. You short the company, mm -hmm. meaning that you stand to, to earn money if, if the go, company fails. Yeah, bankrupt or continues to Continues to fail. Or, yeah. It's a bet. Wall Street bets, on the other hand, hence the name, they got the bet in there, comes out and says, no, you don't. They say, we're sick and tired of being uh, pushed around. We're a hedge fund. We'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll flip the whole thing. And they come in there and buy up so much GameStop. This is like the meme stock market right now. Mm -hmm. That these dudes are in such a tough position now, Will, where they've got these short positions and the debt load that they would have to pay back now at the new rate is so high that they got to start exiting those positions to stop the bleeding. Mm. And they're not used to listening to re what Reddit says. But these guys say, no, 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 it's our game now. And they're targeting specific hedge funds. What is the name of the one that's cooked on this one? I'm not going to remember. Vin sent a message with it earlier today. Uh, let me see if I can get it right. I want to get the hedge fund name correct here. I'm not going to find it in here. But they're creating what's called a short squeeze, which puts... Melvin Capital. What's that? Melvin Capital. Melvin Capital. They took aim at Melvin Capital. And it's, it has the potential, Will, to change the entire way in which hedge funds would disclose their various positions. Because now you're saying, oh, you want to tell us that you're playing a certain game? Like, do these people even care about game? Like, do they, do they really, are they really taking a long position? Or are there just so many people having fun with trading right now that they can just be like, you know what? Wouldn't it be funny if we totally wrecked a massive hedge fund? Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny well, if each of us contributing a small amount of, amount of money completely shifted? Now, maybe there's more. There could be more in a more altruistic mindset too, which they're like, you know what, we like GameStop. So get out of our face. Mm -hmm. Like the the biggest investor is a recent investor in GameStop that wanted to help out as well. Uh, he's the one who's gained the most because of this boom. His name is Ryan Cohen. And he bought 10% of GameStop in August. He's the co-founder of Chewy, the website selling like dog stuff, dog food, pet food, pet mm -hmm. stuff. And... His $75 million investment is now worth $1.3 billion at the new stock price. Wow. He had no idea he was going to become part of a, of a meme, of an internet meme. He, he's made $90 million per day since this thing took off. That's insane. It's all kinds of weird collateral stuff. Uh -huh. The market is not used to this type of behavior. And I don't know how it's going to adapt. And he didn't know about this. Maybe he did. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He's like, I just got to get in Wall Street bets. Yeah. Start stonking around. And next thing you know, 1.3 billies. But don't you feel like GameStop kind of aligns itself well in a way with meme culture? Like everyone knows what it is. It was failing publicly and horribly. It's kind mm -hmm. of the perfect one. Yeah. It's recognizable. It's quick. It's easy. But anyway, the same thing is happening with BlackBerry and a number of other, a number of other stocks as well.
they have created more than $2 billion in personal wealth for the company's three biggest investors. Just through this. I mean, they shut down the stock. It had to freeze for a while because of all the activity, craziness going on. There's plenty of critics that hate it. They're like, oh, all these youngsters messing with my portfolio. Mm. But this is the reality of everybody having, of everybody being in the market, of everybody having trading apps. Mm -hmm. Reality of the situation is some people, it's entertainment. And, 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 and you don't get to select how, how and what people find entertaining, even if it's heavy yeah. boosting uh, a stock, even if it's memeing around. And everyone has time now because of COVID. Everybody has time and, and is lacking entertainment. Yeah. All right. So the last one on this, uh, and this is in line with what I was saying. You can skip this one, actually. Mm. Yeah, right over here. Online trading platforms see a surge in usage as Redditors take on Wall Street. So trading apps... Uh, such as Robinhood and Webull, have climbed in U.S. iPhone app rankings. A frenzy of speculation. Shares of GameStop started climbing wildly on Friday in an epic short squeeze. The brick-and-mortar video game retailer has gained a reputation as the most hated stock on Wall Street. And one of the, I think one of the reasons this thing accelerated was Elon Musk getting involved and going on Twitter and saying what he said. But... The thing to remember there is he is all he's the CEO and founder of a company that has also been heavily shorted on Wall Street and he hates it mm. for obvious reasons. There you know huge amounts of money betting against you is not an ideal scenario. And so I'm think he felt he there was some like kind of uh, sympathy there. Yeah. Where he 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 loved to see these hedge hedge funds get cooked a little bit. Other favorites of the group include BlackBerry and retail chain Bed Bath & Beyond. These are brands you were wondered if they had any future at all. So as far as Robinhood is concerned, it hit a, rec a record on market intelligence firm Aptopia's app rankings on Tuesday. It ranked number eight in the company's list of top iOS apps in the U.S. overall. Number eight overall for a stock trading app. Hmm. Ridiculous. And, of course, in the financial segment, it was number one. Uh, it's seen usage creep up over the past couple of weeks with the number of daily sessions registered when a user opens an app rising to 3.8 million on January 26th, which is, I mean, almost to 3.6 million on January 17th. So, I mean, they're up another 200,000, but it's like almost 4 million people opening the app every day wow that's people are having fun will you can't tell people how to how to have fun you can't tell them what to invest in P mm. people can choose yeah. yeah yeah do what they want to do and boost these apps in the meantime so it's a it's just one more video game in our in our in our simulated thing that we call reality uh sony adds an hdmi port to a smartphone and it has done two things it has made people very excited, and it has made people very angry. Mm. As is the case with most things that make people very excited, they equal they often make people very angry on the, on the other side of the How spectrum. How do you feel about it? No, I'm cool with it because I'm in the I'm in the content creation game, uh -huh. and so I can see the application for this. And people outsiders who only care about smartphones 
are not going to recognize the expenditure of having an HDMI viewer, like a 4K portable HDMI mm -hmm. capable viewer for your uh, mirrorless camera. Mm -hmm. That's going to cost you a lot and be some other cumbersome thing that you have to carry around. So you're factoring that in. The ruggedness that they added to it. Again, it has to be a thing that you're looking for. I presume it's going to be heavier. I liked the Xperia 1. Yes. Mark II. This is kind of that phone all over again with a greater emphasis on the camera component, which I loved the camera component there, the interface and things like that. But this takes it to another level by expanding the capability of your mirrorless camera, regardless of which Sony model that you have. I'm reading Ars Technica, and this person's very angry. He's like, okay, I don't get it. Like, you added an HDMI port and a couple of other features, and you want to charge me $2,500. i am not, I'm not going to get involved with this as a, just strictly as a flagship smartphone. And I get that. If you're never going to use it like that, this yeah. is not the smartphone for you. They did boost some specs, but it doesn't even have the AAA chip, Snapdragon chip. It's still on the 865. They did boost the RAM to 12 gigs. It has 512 storage. And of course, it has that incredible display 4K on a, on a smartphone, 3840 by 1644. So it is a nice camera or a nice smartphone slash camera. But for the average flagship customer, the feature set is not something that they're willing to pay that premium right. for. For guys like us in our game on the daily, that's kind of a little bit of a different story. Uh, now, one of the upsides for me is what they're talking about with live streaming. Embedded live streaming from your mirrorless camera, but utilizing the radios of the phone to transmit wirelessly. Mm -hmm. This is a thing that, again, to do something like that in a production environment, you're going to have a bunch of different gear and capture devices and FTP servers. Whatever. It's it's just annoying, and you will pay a lot of money to achieve some of these things in a lot of cases. And so they're making life a little bit easier for these users, content creator types. And if you switch over to the next article, you'll see the complete opposite. Actually, I guess we missed one here. It's on newsshooter.com, and you might not have it there. Okay. Sony Xperia Pro finally a phone that you can use as an external monitor. Now, this is the exact opposite take from the other take on Ars Technica. This is like, thank God this finally happened. And of course, it's a different website. It's News Shooter. But now you see how for certain applications and certain professions, professionals, it's impossible to find the right things for these type of jobs. And to have this compact package that does this for you, and it's it's supported and made by the same brand to work together in tandem. Look at that little package. It's a nice rig. <laughs> it's nice. But again, it's not it's not it's for so the complete. It's not for the average person. So it's uh maybe maybe for streamers and YouTubers, you should go check out a couple of these videos on the rigging this up for streaming. And maybe it could get you excited, but ultimately it does seem that this device is targeted mostly at camera people, and it also can be your smartphone. Mm -hmm. Speaking of cameras, Sony also put out an absolutely ridiculous $6,500 camera that set our office abuzz. 
our studio ablaze mm. with conversation, chit-chat, and chatter. Mo has not shut up about such a thing. No, he loves this. The Sony A1 $6,500 50 megapixel camera that shoots 30 FPS and 8K video. Oh, by the way, when I said 30 FPS, I'm not talking about video. It shoots 50 megapixel stills at a rate of 30 FPS. Hmm. Oh my God. Anyway, the video side is equally exciting. 8K video at 30 frames and no overheating like the competitor from Canon. You get 30 minutes of runtime at that resolution, which is ridiculous for a package like this. It also will shoot 4K at 120. Now, I know a few people complained about not having the flippy display. The display just goes down, Sony style. I'm okay with it. That's fine with me and the way that we use these things. And by the way, we can just get the phone and mount it on the top. Right. If yeah. we ever need to see it from the other side, that would be fine. It's a full frame, obviously. The, uh, the world's first 240 hertz OLED electric viewfinder. So you got the super speedy EVF because you're shooting 30 FPS. And Willie Do, of it's course, likes the network port on it, which actually I would like as well because it means that when we're doing thumbnails, you can send it to an external monitor instantly. Type C. Type C oh. is on there. Full size HDMI, not mini or micro. It's incredible. It does have a higher price than Canon's product, though. That's important to note. $6,500. The 8K is 10-bit 420 video, which will go to either an SD card or a CF Express card, and it uses the full width of the sensor. It's super sampled from an 8.6K image size as well, so it's not any type of weird crop going on. However, there will be a crop for 4K 120, and uh, it'll crop down to super 35 with 5.8K uh, oversampling for that. Now, at this point, non-camera people are like, what exactly are you talking about? The fact of the matter is, if you are looking for one single package that can kind of do it all and output files that are pretty close to cinema caliber, yet the thing practically fits in your pocket, this is, I mean, obviously it doesn't fit in your pocket, but this is, this is where it is right now. This is where it's at, and this is from a person who has used every single Sony A-series product that's out there. Yeah. It's nice how they call it Alpha One. It just, it's all defined. It's the one. Like it's the one. Video, photography. 1.63 pounds, five axis in-body stabilization with 5.5 stops of shake reduction. They really, it seems like Sony just really gets what's going on and how people are using these things. As far as the YouTube space is concer concerned, I see so many YouTubers talking about this, getting this. Mm -hmm. They understand this group of individuals, con internet content creators, are going to be all about this thing. It also features the industry's fastest 802.11ac Wi-Fi speeds. So you'll be able to use that feature in conjunction with the new Pro smartphone, which will double as an HDR monitor and a 5G transmitter. Yeah, I see no blackout on the shutter when you're shooting 30 FPS. All right. That's enough about that. All right. Sweden successfully tests wireless charging roads. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. 
Isn't it weird that the simplest ideas are the best ideas? How simple is this idea? Wait a sec, wireless charging, yeah. Coils, yeah. Magnets, okay. Uh, where, do, where, where are cars? They're on the roads, where, in your garage. Why are we plugging things in? Can we do this? Okay, let's start figuring it out. I thought it was difficult. I assumed it was difficult. Now th this company's doing it, and they're like, no, it's not that bad. We just dig up a little concrete, and then we're just charging cars as they drive. Oh, No big deal. Electric cars. Now, they're going to need to be outfitted with some hardware, but they're actually a lot further along than I expected. It's crazy over here. An Israeli tech company, Electrion, has been developing and implementing an innovative solution. The system will revolutionize transportation and accelerate the switch to electric mobility. Of course. You got an electric vehicle. You're not worried about range as you're charging as you go down the road. Will, what about yeah. power consumption for public transportation? What about for buses? That they go the same route all the time. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really cool. The fact that they can just pave the or dig up the road not just that like far slightly just a couple inches not that far and then lay this uh groundwork of uh i don't know what do you call this coils yeah the so the the system needs vehicle mounted receivers to work and it is not something that's obviously been implemented yet at the factory level but we're looking into the future here at first it's going to be a couple of one-offs right you're going to see it like i said on buses and things like this and actually they tested it on this uh, transport truck and it effectively was charging actually they stated the rate here it was uh uh it drove 200 meters a 200 meter segment of road at various speeds up to 37 miles per hour averaging a transfer weight rate of 70 kilowatts while also proving that snow and ice do not affect the charging capabilities never mind the roads i want this in my garage too when i pull up with the electric vehicle uh. It's underneath the, the concrete. Yeah. And then it's no more plugs. Mm. As long as you pull up in the right spot. Well, it's probably not the fastest, but that was the same with wireless charging for phones. Uh -huh. The future is cool, though, Will. Yeah. This is the most ideal way to charge a car, right? Yeah. I mean, look, it's not going to be, it's not going to re immediately replace anything because it's not going to be enough power. It's not going to be enough roads covered. But you can imagine a future in which it's just not even a second thought. They're laying down a road. They're redoing the asphalt. They're like, oh, yeah, let's put the, put the coils in there. Mm. Our pal, uh, what is his name, Simon, with the RTX, the variety of RTX mining rigs. He's done it again. Shout this time, Simon. he has built an RTX mining rig in the back of a BMW i8. Nice. <laughs> Further irritating the gamers that are looking to buy RTX 3080s for gaming rather than toting around in their BMW i8. Now, what's cool about this particular setup, obviously the last time around when you had the 78 card setup, that was cool just because of scale. This one is cool because it runs off the power of the car, actually. Uh, it is able to draw. Let's see here. The i8 has an 11.6 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery pack because it was it was a sort of hybrid at the time and he's able to run his rig with just 1500 watts. It's all that's required for that particular mining rig. The car's main outlet is capable of providing 3500 watts. 
The only issue he faces is having to have the trunk of the car open in order to mine because of the heat generated from the GPUs and the other components. Could he be driving with the windows open? I don't. I would think he would might trunk, be pulled yeah. over to have the trunk glass open while he's driving. No, I mean like having the trunk closed, but yeah. having his windows open. Oh, I don't think it's enough passing. No, I don't think it's no enough way. passing through there to uh, to satisfy that. But anyway, uh, shout out to Simon. Keep doing it, man. Whatever gets you going. Uh, you're not going to stop getting the hater comments, but I appreciate your yeah. your wicked concoctions. Last one of the day here, Will. You and I both saw this one. It's a fun one to close out the show. It is the Windows sound effects, but sung a cappella from our friends Maytree over on YouTube. These are the classic sounds of your childhood in uh, a cappella. You can just play a little bit of this. Here we go. I think it's muted. On the YouTube player, it's muted. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you killed the, the yeah, transition well. there. Well, yeah, go back to the front. Give us some volume. Give me that one again. Give me that one again. XP. What a time. Vista. I don't even think... I, I do not remember the Vista one at all. That's, That's USB good. in. That's really good. This. <laughs> USB out. Error. That's the most famous one, right? Mm -hmm. Hands down. Give us the, give us one more time on the outro, and then we're out. Okay. Line it up. 